And I'm tremendously excited about the next few minutes as I speak with best-selling author Claudia Kalb about her latest book called Spark, How Genius Ignites from Child Prodigies to Late Bloomers. In this fascinating book, she examines the life and the genius of what is called at one point 13 high achievers, and uh, but has done so in some really interesting and innovative ways, which we're going to get into uh, into uh, in this conversation. The book, by the way, is published by National Geographic. And Claudia Kalb, we welcome you to The Morning Show. Thanks so much for having me. I am a fairly devoted reader to National Geographic, but I have to confess to having missed a series that you did for National Geographic that concerned genius and the nature of genius. Briefly tell us about that series and to whatever extent that was some sort of springboard for this wonderful new book. Yes, thanks for the opportunity. It was um, a series that started with a, a look at what is genius, sort of the science of genius and unraveling the threads that create um, the genius word, which is a challenge. And I can I can talk a little bit more about that. And then from there to looking at the life of Picasso, who was a prodigy, of course, and then sort of excelled throughout his life. Uh, both of those for the National Geographic magazine were linked to the National Geographic television channel that was looking at genius and still is in um, really interesting shows, one on Einstein and one on Picasso. And then the third story I did was on Leonardo da Vinci, who um, and was died in 1519. So that story was written and published in 2019, looking at 500 years later and his life as a genius. And all of that really did contribute to my work for Spark, sort of the research, the ideas. As I learned about all of that science and those figures, I got a better understanding of what leads to this sort of incredible success. Right. So as far as you're concerned, the benchmark for genius, for being a genius, is achievement of success? I mean, in the sense that then... Orville Redenbacher is a, is a genius, and Colonel Sanders is a genius, or uh, is, is there something else that uh, is, is part of this uh, where someone really earns the moniker of being a genius? Right. I mean, I kind of hold up Leonardo as, as sort of the ultimate genius, and the reason being is that he was such a broad thinker, um, and he left such an impact on the field in which he worked, which happened to be, in fact, many fields, because he jumped from topics and he kept drawing and trying to understand everything from botany to biology to the way the human heart works. So in my mind, that that kind of energy and creative mind and big thinker and also the, the legacy, I mean, he has continued to resonate so many centuries later. And I think that is really another key element of genius, sort of with the capital G. I think there are a lot of genius moments in other people's lives. Um, but I think the ultimate genius is are the, these people who just transform something. They really um, shine new lights, see beyond borders, and transform fields and the way we think mm. um, f- sort of forever. Mm. So that's kind of a distinction. Very good. Uh, we're speaking with Claudia Kalb about her book, Spark, How Genius Ignites from Child Prodigies to Late Bloomers. The subtitle of the book points to one of the most interesting things that you do in this book, namely that you are interested in genius as it plays out in several different scenarios. Those who are child prodigies, where their genius is evident very early, to those that you call midlifers, where it's kind of right in the middle of life. 
uh, and and those who uh, find, in a sense, their genius and begin to nurture it only very, very late in life. Uh, did anything in particular inspire you to want to take the time to make these kind of distinctions between these three scenarios? Yes. I mean, I, I really have always been fascinated by when people find their moments, and I kind of zigzagged a bit myself to becoming a journalist and an author, having done some other kinds of interests before that. And so I feel like the lifespan or sort of journey is fascinating. We're all human beings. We all have to find our way. And I think it appeals to, to everybody to understand how somebody does find that inspiration or that moment. And in the book, in Spark, I wanted to be able to present kind of that arc that starts so early in people like Picasso and Shirley Temple, the child star, and Yo-Yo Ma, you know, prodigies, and then how that develops differently um, at midlife. Some of the examples are Julia Child, I look at, and Maya Angelou, and Alexander Fleming, who discovered penicillin, and then all the way up to later um, bloomers, Eleanor Roosevelt, Peter Roger, who wrote Roger's Thesaurus, and Grandma Moses. I think they're all relevant because they all describe very different moments in life and different reasons for why those moments happened at the time they they did, Hmm. um, which are different in different people's lives. How difficult was it for you to come up with this list of 13 geniuses? And, And I guess in particular, I'm wondering... Did you have any geniuses in mind that you ultimately discarded because their stories just didn't play out or offer up what you hoped they were? Or, or by and large, were you able to arrive at your list of 13 fairly easily and, and were able to stick with them? Yeah, that's a great question. It's a, it's a little bit of both. I think some of them surged to the surface as sort of obvious candidates because I was looking for a real mix of livelihoods. So it wasn't a book about 12 artists. I wanted to have very different uh, careers. And then I wanted different ages at which things happened. I wanted different, um, you know, eras. So we go from Isaac Newton in the 1600s to current day. And so I was looking for a real mix, men and women. And I did discard some people, you know, I thought about um, Mozart, for example, in in music or even his sister, um, but decided on that, that I would, really like to do someone contemporary and that's um and I, I do that through yo ma in his life and i'm able to sort of dabble in some of the other people that i didn't get to in a chapter but who appear in the chapters um loring of wilder the writer who created this phenomenal best-selling series she didn't write into until her 60s um so she's in the book briefly and you could do a whole chapter on her so i kind of <laughs> i kind of um tried to call it into a, an interesting group that, mm. that gave a broad range of um, different fields and timelines. You hit the bullseye, and I, I, I mean that very sincerely. I love this array of people, and I enjoyed each and every chapter, although I must say as someone who's also a professor of music in my other life, I especially oh. loved the chapter about Yo-Yo Ma, and it brings to mind something oh, wow. else that I really liked about the book, which is that in this exploration of genius and different ways in which it manifests itself, you end up talking about a number of other issues that sort of naturally present themselves, which uh, I think always makes for an even more uh, enriching book. Uh, In the case of Yo-Yo Ma, one of the things that you talk about is the matter of immigrants. And uh, you say at one point, some of history's greatest minds, it turns out, 
were immigrants who reinvented themselves in their new homelands. Tell us more about how this played out in the life of cellist Yo-Yo Ma and, 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 and why you think, in a sense, it is helpful for us uh, to kind of know this and understand this even beyond whatever interest we might have in the specific life and genius of Yo-Yo Ma. Right. I, you know, I'm so glad you asked because I love this aspect of his life, and I do think it's such, an, it's such a wonderful, in a way it's a metaphor, but for Yo-Yo Ma, he talks often about how much the immigrant experience meant to him. He came to the United States. He was born in Paris, um, born to Chinese parents who had left China, and he was born in Paris where they were living, and then he came here as a young child with them. So he had this kind of Chinese cultural um, upbringing, but he had spoke French in Paris, and then he comes to the U.S., and he sees these skyscrapers and this energy of American life, and it's very different. And he talks about how important this immigrant experience was. It gave him such a mix of, of backgrounds that he was in some ways wrestling with at times and in other times embracing altogether. And also, you know, just in general in terms of immigrants, they do – tend to show this openness to experience because they have no other choice. They're coming from another place. They have to reinvent themselves. They have a certain kind of motivation and energy to do that. And this idea of being open to experiences turns out to be a real big factor in genius, in accomplishment, in creativity, because you're looking past what's right in front of you. You, you have to the um, sort of jumping boundaries to get to new places. Hmm. And you do that in your mind as well as physically. And so it's a, it's a wonderful thread in that story. Absolutely. I really like that. And of course, although the immigrant experience can also play out very differently than that, sometimes just a nose to the grindstone, yeah. folk narrow focus. Uh, for some people, that is what it has to be. But for other immigrants, there is this experience that you describe in the life of Yo-Yo Ma and others. I, I did deeply appreciate that. When we talk about a midlifer like Julia Child in your book, uh, one of the uh, insights that you offer about her story is this whole notion of finding one's passion, identifying one's own passion, and how this is not, not very often easy. In fact, you go so far as to say uh -huh. identifying one's passion is never easy. Because in real life, these layers can be difficult to identify and even harder to cast off. They stick like varnish on old furniture. Can you say a little bit more about how this plays out in the lives of a lot of us, even those of us who are not geniuses by any stretch of the imagination? Right. I, you know, I think people, I, I talk about those layers, sort of the expectations, the constrictions, you know, we sometimes put on ourselves. And all of that kind of stuff, it, it builds up and, and sometimes just feeling like, you know, you're approaching midlife and, and it's going to become, you know, the downward slope now. It's sort of the end and everything you've done is now going to start, you know, declining. And I, I see it through these people very differently now. I, I see it as sort of a continuum going up. And I think with Julia Child, she, she talked about when she was in college and after college, she really had no idea what she wanted to do. And, you know, I found that heartening in the sense that it wasn't somebody who started out as a kid loving food. She talked about loving to eat food, but she she didn't have this culinary instinct or desire till she had that meal in France at 37 and then started working on the cookbook. And at 50, you know, becomes the French chef. That's her moment. And, I, you know, I think that that is a passion that she discovered um, 
you know, again, an experience that, you know, she was lucky to have, but it really ignited in her that kind of spark. And I think for her, it came much later, but it, you know, she pursued it with such energy and she was somebody who never, never stopped and, and kept doing it through her later years. So Abs- I think there's a lot of inspiring messages. Absolutely. And, and I want to say that, uh, I knew actually quite a lot about Julia Child before I read your book, but I gained some wonderful insights into her life. And, and uh, for instance, Maya Angelou, who I've had the honor of, of interviewing a couple of times on this very program. Uh, again, I knew oh, wow. much, but I knew I knew much about her and her story. But your book goes on to to uh, teach me more. But I want to finish out with someone who actually I knew very very little about, scarcely more than the name of Grandma Moses, and just the barest minimum in terms of what she was famous for. I am so grateful that your book includes such a rich account of her life and her experience. For for those who do not understand her significance and the uniqueness of her story, please say a word about why all of us should know the story of Grandma Moses uh, better. Yes, I mean, I, I also, like you, did not know a lot, and I think that the main thing to know about her life is the honesty, the fort, you know, the forthright um, bravery and sort of the, the simplicity with which, and I don't mean that derogatory, I mean that in a really positive way, the way she looked at life and accepted the challenges. She, she saw five of her children die as babies, and yet she had this resilience and this way to you know, keep busy, keep busy. She needed a purpose even in her 70s, and she turned to art. And you know she was lucky in that someone saw these paintings in a drugstore and got them to a Manhattan dealer, but it was her vision and her, almost her, just keep going like the engine that never quit. She just um, had a faith in herself, whether or not it was going to sell. And then it did. And she was discovered in her art had a came at a certain moment in, in American art that was um, noticed and, and people loved it because of the way it sort of reflects back to a time that people were trying to get back to comforting time, a peaceful time. So she has such significance, and she's. I think we're going to see more of her, actually, in, in new exhibits in the years to come. Right, and in that life uh, of 101 years, so much was crowded into, uh, mm-hmm. into the, into the uh, dusk years. Um, yeah. in, 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 this, in this chapter about her, you have a wonderful quote from Oliver Sacks uh, talking about his own father uh, on the eve of his 80th birthday, saying he felt as I begin to feel not a shrinking but an enlargement of mental life and perspective. I do not think of old age as an ever grimmer time that one must somehow endure and make the best of, but as a time of leisure and freedom, freed from the factitious urgencies of earlier days, free to explore whatever I wish and to bind the thoughts and feelings of a lifetime together. So much to explore and enjoy in your marvelous book, again titled Spark. How Genius Ignites from Child Prodigies to Late Bloomers. Uh, And it comes to us from the good people of National Geographic and the author, Claudia Kalb. Claudia Kalb, congratulations on a marvelous book. I loved every page. Thank you so much. I greatly appreciate it.